BBCC episode 57, my realization of the day. Today we're covering a movie about a pair of tumultuous sisters. I have three sisters myself, and I can definitely relate to some of the things in this movie. One of my sisters is very laid back and chill, kind of like me. There's one that's, uh, she's the sweet and goofy one. But then, of course, there's the youngest, who is a bona fide maniac. And if, if I had heard that she ate one of my sister's fingers, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, not even in the littlest bit. So, I hope you guys are hungry, because the show starts now. Hello, hello. It is your boy, Devon Taylor, a.k.a. underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram. And this is the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. This is a horror movie podcast where we like to dive into the subgenres and franchises of our favorite horror movies. And it is December. Um, we are in the thick of this is week two of the Fucked Up Families uh, coverage. Um, it, I kind of did a similar thing last year. I, I'm not a very festive person. Uh, we will talk a Christmas movie next week, but um, I'm not. I'm not particularly a festive person. But every, but around this time, you know, no matter what you're doing, people are usually spending time with their families for better or worse. And um, so we're kind of diving into um, some of these family dynamics with the films that we're talking about this month. Um, we will be talking Raw today um, from Julia uh, Decuno, and I'm very excited to get into it. Um, and of course, I have a guest waiting in the wings. She is a writer, host, and all-around horror creator who can be found stalking around pretty much any spooky convention you can think of. Also has probably the coolest name of any of the guests on the podcast. So please, welcome to the show, Zero Gravity. Yo, thank you so much for having me. That's a great intro, by the way. Ah, thank thanks. You. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, very excited to have you on. Um, I, I, It was funny, like, going back through messages. I remember I had messaged you about coming on, like, I don't know, a few months ago, and then I think I yeah. filled the spot, and then I was like, ah, my bad. I actually filled that spot, but I'm going to save you because I want you on. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, just love all the things you do in the horror spheres, um, especially, you know, pumping up the black nerd community. Um, we love to see that you do, uh, you do a feature on like your Instagram page. Like, was it, do you do it weekly? Uh, not weekly. Um, just whenever I think, uh, I've gathered enough people that deserve mm -hmm. a bit of a highlight. I'm about to release or publish uh, part 10, which I'm thinking might be my last one. I don't know. Five was supposed to be my last one, but mm -hmm. the deeper I get, into this community the more and more cool people that i find that need to be seen and if i can help just a little bit then i absolutely will yeah you know um there's something about you know yeah like make making the effort to keep this community connected and i like that you do it through that and then also like in these um like panel discussions that you like do at conventions or like presenting films is like you know like i i, I miss that um, you know, like I, I, I mean, I love doing the podcast and, you know, love doing it via zoom with a lot of people, but 
you know, I, I, I definitely crave that like, you know, person on person like connection. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, you, what you do in the space is like really great for that. Thank you. But this whole shout out thing kind of came about just because, you know, the world ended and we we're all stuck inside our homes. And I'm usually known for like my public speaking stuff. I do a lot of uh, panel discussions, uh, group discussions, presentations that all always surround um, representation, um, Black and geekness, um, and anything having to do with uh, representing underrepresented groups. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously, I couldn't have that when we were all stuck inside. So I did the best that I could. And luckily, I found a very cool community that includes yourself. And uh, I think now that the world is slowly but surely opening up, uh, I think I will continue to incorporate both modes because I am on the East Coast and I believe you are on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And here we are connected. I don't think that would have gotten that way naturally just from my East Coast uh, appearances. Yeah, no, exactly. Like uh, you wouldn't be able to make those certain connections. And it's funny because like, I mean, I've been in like the online like movie community for quite a bit. And it's like funny that like, up until maybe you know before everything started kind of going down and like this became more normal for people like like people would always like kind of give me like weird looks or like my friends like sometimes like my uh quote-unquote real in real life friends you know whenever Mm. I'd be talking about like a twitter friend or something like and like kind of give you like a huh what do you what, what do you mean by that but like now it's like it's so just like you know, it's less stigmatized and it's like more common Absolutely. that like we have to, you know, obviously out of necessity, we had to make these connections virtually. But like, I, I like that it's more acceptable now, not, not acceptable, right. but I, I, I don't get as many head tilts. <laughs> True. You know, our options are just broader now. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if it's we're about to be in 2022, if you don't have Internet friends, I feel bad for you. Exactly. You should make some Internet friends. You really should. Like it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a good having a good like balanced diet. You know, you got to have a, Absolutely. a good share of in real in real life friends, but you got to have your Internet friends. Yes. too. We all had like pen pals and elementary yeah. school. And this is like 3000 times better. Cause I'm looking at you right now. We're having a conversation exactly. and this is great. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, definitely, you know, um, love, um, you know, that connecting still always finds a way, whether, you know, regardless of like what's going on in the world, like, you know, I, I find it fascinating that it's like, you know, humans will always find a way to connect and that's true. Um, and what you do, um, you know, connecting people in unique ways is, um, equally great so i do appreciate that um so before we hop into the main film for the episode um just because we aren't really talking a bunch of holiday films this month but i want to give all the guests a, a, an opportunity to shout out like um one of their favorite holiday horrors that they might be watching around this time well i was very pleased to hear you say just now that you're not a very festive person because i'm not either unfortunately um although i i love krampus Mm. i freaking love that movie i can't believe that i don't own it yet um i was very surprised when i did watch it the first time because i i think it was like one of those 
uh, was like free for a certain amount of time. So I was like, eh, why not? I didn't think that I would like it as much as I did because mm-hmm. I'm usually not crazy into that kind of stuff. Um, and also just like the total, I don't want to say hype, but the uh, Christmassy, I don't know, man, it's just not my thing, but I do mm-hmm. love that movie. Um, but I do have like a Christmas tradition that it's it's the matrix is like was my mm. christmas thing i would watch the matrix on and around christmas not for like any particular reason but i just think growing up it just happened to be on cable around christmas mm. so it just kind of you know came out that way and and we're getting a new one yeah in in the season so i feel like that is correct i mean mm-hmm. I, I i feel like so i i don't remember when it was originally released but i don't know i feel like it's kind of that that's like kind of your go-to christmas in a way that like um i know a lot of people tend to watch the harry potter movies around christmas why mm-hmm. none of them are particularly christmasy or anything i mean hell mm-hmm. it's not even really about like having a family he doesn't have one so <laughs> so it's like I find it funny that like uh, a lot of people it's like up oh, it's December it's time to start marathon the Harry Potter movies it's like mm, okay but it does feel right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it does feel correct yeah we uh we covered Krampus uh last year that was our like Christmassy episode and mm-hmm. uh it, it does a thing for me because like I'm I'm one of the people that I I guess my whole thing with Christmas I don't like the the uh, syntheticness of it now like it's mm-hmm. all feels either manufactured and it's like this whole whole corporate monster type deal but it's also like I don't know I feel like people get really fake for no reason around this time it's like yeah you and know it's, it's stressful like, too yeah like people stress themselves out and I like that in Krampus they like you know the the kid like kind of calls it out on the parents of like we don't like these family members. Like, why do we need to spend this holiday with them and pretending that we like them if we really don't like you don't. And like, I like that the movie calls that out. And, um, and that's what kind of plays more into Krampus than any like Christmas themes. It's just this Mm -hmm. theme of, you know, accepting family for, for better or worse. And like, you know, the situations that you're put in, but um, but yeah, I, I love that Krampus like calls that out. It, it speaks to the Scrooge within me. Mm, <laughs> the inner Scrooge. Yeah. Um, my pick, um, this was one I was like thinking about maybe doing this month, but ended up not doing it. But last year I watched um, this movie Dead End for the first time. I've never heard of this. It, um, it stars Ray Wise and Lynn Shay. And uh, it's by a French director, so appropriate for we're talking mm-hmm. a French film today. Um, and it's uh, this family is driving uh, either to a Christmas party or a Christmas family gathering or something like that. It doesn't really matter. They're driving somewhere. And basically this whole movie is this car ride as they like kind of descend into madness, like they start like hallucinating shit and uh, like they're seeing stuff. And then they pick up this hitchhiker that's weird. And then like, and then each family member like starts acting weird and turning on each other. Um, it's a, kind of a dark comedy. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a dark comedy cause it's hilarious, but it is like very creepy as well. Um, it's like think about that the scene in um john carpenter's um in the mouth of madness where they're like driving Uh and they're like kind of going crazy that's this entire movie um with a full family 
and um, it obviously has some some twisty things uh, in the story. Maybe a little predictable, but it is very fun for the performances, but then also just this very interesting family dynamic um, between each family member. Like, they really do a good job of, like, fleshing out this family and, like, really, like, feeling the tension that, like, sometimes comes with these, like, long-ass road trips with your family. You know, it, like, takes that simple thing that everyone relates to, but then exaggerates it in, <laughs> with all these horror elements. It's it's super fun. So it's okay. on Amazon Prime, I think. Check it out. I just added it to my watch list on Letterboxd as you were speaking, because I'm interested. And you said the whole movie takes place in the car? Like, like in or around the car on the road. Oh, yeah. I do love a single location banger. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Sweet. and it the whole thing's at night too. I, I just kind of thought about that too. It's never it's just this one just one night. It's this one descent into madness. Mm. Sounds good. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Maybe we'll cover it on the podcast next December. Probably not, but <laughs> but I would uh say that we are nice and warmed up to go ahead and get into the feature film for the episode. <gasps> Raw, released in 2017, the debut feature film from writer and director Julia Ducourneau, and I'm just going to be on first name basis with her for the rest of the episode. This is Julia. Um, (laughs) Whenever uh, I talk about her, I'm not going to continue to butcher her last name. Um, uh, But she did a short film and a TV film prior to this, but this was her like um, main debut feature film. She would also go on to direct a couple episodes of Servant um, before, before her follow-up T10, which we will kind of chat some about at the end of the episode because uh, the themes are very uh, linked and her style is very distinct. She's kind of one of those directors that has already established herself as having this very clear, distinct filmmaking voice. And um, this movie, it barely made back its $3.5 million budget but was a critical success. It did really well at film festivals. Um, One of the stories from the release of this film was during its TIFF premiere, it was reported that audience members were fainting and needing medical assistance for the visceral scenes in the film. This is very dramatic because it's definitely not that crazy. Like, it's really not. Um, But that was the thing. And then the Raw team kind of leaned into it, and I forget which film festival it was next. It might have been Sundance, um, where they, um, before the uh, premiere of the film, gave the audience barf bags um, with raw and, like, the, like, (laughs) hashtag on the barf bag. Good marketing. Yeah, so they, they, you know, they were like, okay, whatever. If you're going to be dramatic, fine. We'll be dramatic. Let's Let's go there. Um, So, yeah, so I I do love that they uh, leaned into it. Um, the score was done by Jim Williams, who did the score for a cult favorite kill list and then would go on to do the score for Possessor. Very talented lad. Uh, Zero, why'd you pick this film to talk about for our Fucked Up Families Month? Well, first of all, I just want to say that this is a great theme for December. Um, you could easily have just gone the route with let's talk about Christmas horror movies. But I think this is like, so fucking appropriate and um i 
have a very, very <clears throat> deep soft spot for sister shit. Mm-hmm. I I don't like being emotional in movies like ever. I I just that's why I can't do dramas. I can't do rom coms just because I'm sensitive and I just can't do it. Especially when it has to do with like some sister bonding or breakup, it just it destroys me because I do have a sister. Um, she's five years younger than me. And we had kind of a weird relationship growing up, but we're both adults now. She's a young adult and uh, we're working on it. So mm-hmm. it always like really hits home when those kind of themes come up, which is pretty rare. You know, there's, I think there's probably three times as many, uh, maybe like father son kind of themes that, that go around uh, the cinema world, but it's rare when you have a, a a tale of two sisters and this one of course was right up my fucking alley because reasons uh mm-hmm. that we will discuss soon but um and i also just think this movie is phenomenal and it has great rewatch value mm-hmm. um i definitely enjoyed it this time around more this is actually the first time i've watched it since it came out initially mm-hmm. and i remember not loving it as much as a lot of other people did but but what I realized, it's because, like, whenever I watch this, like, how you said, like, I mean, I have sisters, but I'm not a sister myself, you know? So it's like, I feel like, you know, certain movies, like, you know, you can make a movie relatable to everyone as much as you can. But then there are movies that, like, you know, I feel like there is an intention that's like, unless you are of this specific experience, you're just simply not going to get as much out of it as someone else would. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe that's why I don't like love this movie or like why I don't love ginger snaps because like they are so inherently, you know, zeroed in on this experience of sisterhood and, Mm -hmm. you know, dealing with changes within your body during those sensitive times. Like that's just something specifically because of my upbringing and autonomy I just don't have that. Like, I don't know <laughs> what that's like, you know? So I wonder if that's why I don't love this film. I really dig it. Like, it's on a technical level. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Acted really well. Um, it has a lot of really great stuff. It's paced out really well. But I just don't love it. it it's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's not special for me in that mm-hmm. way. But um, in in case you have not seen Raw, I'll give a quick synopsis, but... If you haven't seen Raw, you should also just stop listening to the episode and <laughs> go watch the movie because we are going to spoil it. But in case you just need a little uh, a little something-something and you just want to listen anyways, it's all good. Hang out with us. But the story follows a young gal entering veterinarian school who has been a devoted vegetarian her whole life. But when she is forced to eat raw rabbit meat during a hazing ritual, Justine's true appetite is awoken as she struggles to discover who she truly is, as one do as one does in college. And um, yeah, so and and the fact that she goes to this school with her sister, and the you know the what what's interesting about this movie is. Um, we can we'll start with the subgenre stuff to to get that out of the way. We have you know there's a there's a coming of age story here. Um, uh, Justine like starts the movie in a very childlike kind of innocent state, and then obviously the cannibalism is used as a metaphor for this kind of self discovery of 
herself. But then it's also about these, like, you know, family secrets, you know, like, you know, of, you know, this thing that her and her sister both deal with, but are kind of left to dealt with on their own um, accords. Um, it kind of goes into the coming of age stuff as well. This is a Campbell movie. This is a, an erotic thriller in a way, but a lot more serious one. But what I've come to realize as I watch more cannibal movies is I watch them like monster movies, even though these are still humans and these are human beings, um, especially when they're kind of portrayed in this like animalistic way as it kind of does in this movie. Um, I, I kind of watch them through the lens of a monster movie. So like, what Sorry, are, you, are you saying that like you have less uh, like empathy towards the characters? A little bit. Okay. Okay. A little bit. Um. Uh, yeah. I kind of. Cause then, yeah, I I view I view the actions in a way that I don't know where it's less out of their control. So I can kind of. So I don't know. Maybe I empathize with them a little more. Even. It it just kind of depends. But um, what what are some uh, subgenre elements that kind of stick out to you for this movie? Body, yaddy, 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 body, yaddy, 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 that whole spiel, um, of course, is the number one here. Mm -hmm. And then, um, well, I think that's like number one. What else could you put to it? I mean, I guess. I mean, in the sisterhood, sisterhood movies are its own subgenre, I would say. Definitely coming of age. Mm -hmm. uh, if you just throw horror out the window, it's just a straight up coming of age story. Um, mm -hmm. I would say in a very weird way. <laughs> oh yeah, like it, it definitely is. It's a you know coming of age and like you know, it, it's interesting. It, it's a coming into like you know, sexual sexualization and sexuality, like that kind of discovery as well. And I was kind of thinking, like, as you were talking, like, about the body horror and the this movie, even though it does have sex elements and elements of um, exploring sexuality, this movie presents bodies in a way that is not sexy. Like, this totally. is the like Julia directs like Cronenberg if he wasn't so horny. <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> makes perfect sense it does um i think that's what i think that's what i like about her as a director and um i i just watched T titan because of the podcast and that's definitely a theme here the way that she captures bodies and even though the the second was uh significantly more erotic than this one mm -hmm. um still in it's, it's depending on the tone what's happening around in the surrounding scenes that dictate whether this body should be viewed as sexy or not and but in raw i don't think that really happens at all yeah uh, there's no. there's it's it's very void of that even though it's kind of a uh, big metaphor for finding sexual identity among other things but I can appreciate that. And I wish I could see it a little more, honestly. Yeah. Like, it, I think it's like, it's presented in a way that, like, 
even when it is the elements that are more sexual, it's presented in a way where it's not sexy, where it's more out of like presenting, you know, humans and their bodies and these like urges and desires that like Mm -hmm. that like body like, you know, like just when you when you know that you need to be close to someone like that's but it's still framed in a not sexy way like there's yeah. not there's nothing sexy about this movie except for one scene we'll get to later but there, there's nothing sexy about this movie really wait but i'm thinking of all right here we go with the jumping around i'm thinking of one scene um can you remind me the name of the roommate adrian 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 adrian, adrian. um the first time or when they have sex mm-hmm. um, with uh, he and Justine. Um, and you can kind of tell that that's what she wants from him originally, but he's not presented. Well, besides the soccer scene, that was, that was pretty sexy. Um, but um, I think it's the way that she looks at him, um, but not in a more like a, I want to devour you kind Mm -hmm. of attraction instead of like a sexual attraction um like when they're uh in in class I suppose I'm about to do a dissection and she's staring at the back of his neck and it's like this it's it's definitely um it's like there's it's like there's the desire without the lust of it like yeah Mm -hmm. and the yeah like it's and especially like yeah like whenever they do go have sex like you know she like leaves and just like comes back in and it's like you know kind of you know like just says like you know like I want you and like kind of puts him Mm -hmm. in this situ you know puts him in this position where you know Adrian's been a good guy throughout the movie Adrian's a pretty good boy yeah and justice and um and like you know and then he like kind of feels a way about it because like I don't know like he was you know kind of feels manipulated manipulated in a way because you know like um that she knows that he's gay and like mm-hmm. it's like oh but like you know it got kind of twisted we're high like whatever but again because with justine it wasn't about anything sexual you mm-hmm. know it was about just like this need and like want to like you know like have that closeness but then also like she's trying she's like kissing him and like also trying not to bite him Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of like sh- has these like little like flashes of like feralness. Um, the yeah. the, per- the the performance by um, let's see, Garance Marlier, Mar Marlier, Marlier. Ooh, <laughs> my French is it's no bueno, but she is um really great in like kind mm-hmm. of showing these like little ticks in her in her performance. So like that scene specifically where it's like you know like she's trying to she's she's kissing him but like she wants to bite him she's like i don't mm-hmm. really want the actual sex part i want to just eat yeah. you you know but that's like, where you can make that that uh that split mm-hmm. between should i really feel bad for this person or am i just watching a monster doing what a monster does because they just can't help it or you know i think that's the the separation <laughs> at this yeah. point how you're watching this movie like is this a person who's doing bad things knowing that they're doing bad things makes them malicious or is this just a monster who you can kind of feel bad for them because they really have no say in what's going to be desired or not desired 
Um, and it's almost kind of like addiction at that point. Yeah. Um, See, and I would say it would, in, in a typical movie, it would be the case of like that they are still a person with like, you know, making a choice and making conscious efforts. But then um, here, just due to the fact that especially that Justine is so in the dark about everything, you know, that the fact that she didn't know, you know, she doesn't know what she doesn't understand these cravings, these desires. Um, but she understands that something it's something, you know, is different about her. And um, and it's like there's there's I guess the the moment for monsters is always if like they make the choice to just allow themselves be what they are because of nature mm -hmm. or whatever, or if they're going to try to fight against it. And, um, mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, we, we kind of get like that. Uh, the, the turning point of that is like, you know, Justine, when she eats the, when she eats Alex's finger, mm -hmm. you know, and like, that's like kind of the point of no return for Justine at that point. And mm -hmm. it, that's her just kind of saying like, okay, like there's something, I don't know what it is. Nobody seems to be able to help me until mm -hmm. she realizes that Alex can help her and like understands what, sh what is happening. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of the rest of it is Justine just like kind of allowing these experiences to like kind of wash over. Like she's not really right. fighting it per se because mm -hmm. she just doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. She is knowingly walking into situations that she knows that she will not be able to handle mm -hmm. and i'm thinking specifically like um that like weird paint party what first of all i don't know what actual university experience is like this it is so like i that would have been crazy if this I was mean, like the average university experience a paint party but oh like, i mean i have so many questions about this veterinarian <laughs> university in general because like uh, you know like our, our veterinarian schools like they don't have dorms and stuff and they don't like stay on campus usually like vet school mm -hmm. is just like it, its own separate thing so i'm like what what is this university but also i don't know but also on the note of the paint party scene I will say that's the one sexy kind of scene in this movie. Cause I'm like, that's a hot party game being like, mm -hmm. okay, put two people of different colors and you have to mix the colors by just like rubbing each other and doing whatever. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty hot party game. I'll say that when it's, <laughs> when, when it's consensual, I mean, like, when it's consensual, of course I, it seemed pretty consensual besides her like general confusion. And she was like, yeah. also like, like at this point, like she was scared of herself. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, is a little gray area mm -hmm. but it seems like for the most part everything else is well consensual. that was like kind of her like uh, another turning point too of when she's like kind of being like oh okay like you know like she knew I... she was gonna bite that man she knew what she was walking into mm -hmm. i think she was just kind of hmm, a little bit of naivety towards herself but in that scene i was like i was i don't want to say scared uh but worried um i think that was a very not sexy scene for me personally because i know something bad is going to happen also something having to do with like their paint covering their bodies was just like a layer less um no focusing in on anything that would be even uh considered attractive by way of camera angles or whatever True. um i'm just thinking when is it gonna happen when is she gonna get you know uh, the uh, satisfaction to this craving 
it was more like mm -hmm. I'm waiting for that to happen than allowing myself to say this is a very erotic and beautiful scene you know and and I and, I, and with this scene I like how in general throughout the movie Julia does a really good job of mixing it up in what we do see and what we don't see um mm. oh yeah when it comes to like the editing like because like certain scenes we get to watch you know played out in full like her cleaning Alex's finger like it's a chicken wing we watch that whole thing the Hysterical. whole thing but then with this it was just like you know playing with your expectation because like you said you're like when's it when's something bad is gonna happen when's it gonna mm -hmm. happen and then we don't even get to see it happen we just get the aftermath right so it's like i like that um they really switch up the with the choices throughout like they kind of do it in a in in a scene later like whenever alex jumps out in front of a car and then like all you see is jewel or all you see is alex like walk to the car and it cuts to Justine's face. And then when it cuts back to Alex, she's just like covered her face and like blood. Already. Oh, when they go out together for the first time. Yeah. So it's like, that was so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like another scene where it's like, we don't get to see it that time. And it's just like right. in the way that they edit it. So um, yeah, really like That's how true. they mix things up. Um, mm -hmm. So, so yeah, let's talk about Alex here for a minute because Again, with the, the whole crux of the movie, you know, is interesting that we see that their parents were very strict on Justine, like on um, on her diet and making sure we stick to the vegetarianism. We have the whole scene at the restaurant where she like almost mm. eats meat by accident and then like spits it out like a child. Um, right. And then mom has a Karen moment. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's like we, we see that they're very strict on them, but... With how, with how, like, strict they are, it's, like, kind of one of those things of, like, <clears throat> I, I kind of watch this movie as, like, a, 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 a metaphor for, like, when a child of, like, a, um, of a, like, stricter, stricter household doesn't get sexual education as much and then ends up pregnant in some circumstance. And then it's, like, totally. okay, you can't restrict information completely or else mm -hmm. but then you know and then not expect something to happen so it's like this whole movie you know that their kids have this experience because they just like don't prepare them is right. very interesting compared to how strict they are like rather it'd be like if you're gonna be strict with them why wouldn't you just be like this is the reason why you know so mm -hmm. it's like it's interesting that the this whole movie um, could be like undone with just simple conversations. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is a little too meta for me personally right now, because I am feeling that situation, but I'm feeling more like exactly what you just said, but instead of uh, very strict, possibly conservative parents who do not offer their uh, child answers to these questions in general sex education, I'm thinking about addiction. Mm -hmm. in in place of that because this this uh this spiral is really uh i think pretty parallel to addiction is what it seems like you know if i think if you have somebody in your family that struggles with addiction that's kind of what that's like and mm. unfortunately oftentimes um just being uneducated about the subject will get you into those situations and 
you know, then at a certain point, it's really a sickness that you have to deal with. That's a consequence of just not knowing what you could step into. Mm-hmm. Um, and ouch, that hurts, man. That really does. Yeah. And, and which is interesting that like, especially this, like when you, when you look at that way as like Alex being the sister that is already like, you know, in a bad position is already the addict. Cause like, you know, they kind of mm-hmm. reveal that they knew this, you know, that, that uh, Alex was going to have the cannibalistic urges like when she was younger. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they've known for a long time. Alex has known things for a long time, but yet still, no one wants to tell Justine because they're just like, oh, well, we don't really know how to handle it. Yeah. So, so you're gonna therefore figure it, it is. Yeah. You're going to figure it out. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, Alex, Alex kind of has this foreknowledge of, for everything in the movie. Cause like she mm-hmm. goes to the college, she knows about the hazing ritual. She knows that that's, what's going to trigger it. You know, like when you, mm-hmm. s- these are all the things that like I, I noticed in hindsight, like rewatching it. It's just like, Oh my God. So if Alex knew literally all of this stuff, it's like, why at one point can anybody just help little Justine out? You know? So that's where <laughs> that's it's like, the, that's that, where I'm my like, friends is why this month is themed after <laughs> fucked up families. You know, <laughs> you know, so that's where to, to go back to like where we were a little bit ago, uh, talking about like where I, where my empathy lies for Justine um uh-huh. is like yeah just like how how out of control she is when she easily could be if she just knew things you know mm-hmm. is what kind of makes me view it in the well you know monsters got a monster at the end of the day uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean that basically is the end of the movie like the dad's just like oh yeah you know yeah he's like monster. you'll figure it out someday sweetie throws her into the pool and just never looks back yeah yeah it's um yeah there's definitely and 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 it's interesting because like especially they they also make it a point throughout the movie to like um show that justine is the like wonder kid like you know like yeah so it's Mm -hmm. like you know and like kind of going with that like you know that sibling dynamic where it's like you know the the first one is you know some like a lot of people always think that the firstborn is always the favorite and that's not the case. No, it's it's always the the baby. It's always, it's always the baby baby or the middle kids. See, like in in my family, it's like they, like I, I was, I was, you know, the first one. So it's like, Oh, you know, we're going to do things. We'll make mistakes. Second one. Uh Oh, we know what we're doing now. And then it's like Mm -hmm. third and fourth kid. Eh, the we, we've we've done this before now so you you guys will turn out however so the middle kid yeah is, is the one set up for success is my theory got it so for, the, for in this specific case it's kind of like the opposite of like what it typically would be that like yeah the the first kid is like the um the 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 perfect one but it's not it's like no the first one's kind of the fuck up but like this one mm-hmm. this is you know so the 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 differences in it's like because how how did they grow up and they had said they let Alex like be herself too much but then like did they convert Alex to being a vegetarian once Justine was and like, it around? seems like they're only like a year or two yeah because at one point Alex mentions that I think I don't know she says something that implies that she's a sophomore maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, or like a second year at university or something. 
um, like that. But even so, like they could probably be no more than like three or four years apart. So how, I don't know, I guess that might be a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of rip, but. Yeah, no, no more than three years after and still in the same college together at some point. And then, right. Yeah. But, but then again, maybe it's just because Alex showed signs earlier, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, seems like in the beginning, at least, um, when, uh, she finds a piece of like a sausage in her mashed potatoes or whatever, um, that it had like always been this way. And I know families, um, um, that have like raised their, their children to be vegetarians, like their parents. So that didn't seem really like anything out of the ordinary to mm-hmm. me upon first viewing. Um, but yeah, you're right. Now that I'm thinking when the father at the very end, he mentions that we let her be too much of herself or whatever. Um, when did that happen? Yeah. What, what, when she was, <laughs> what, when she was three, you let her be uh-huh. too much herself at age three. Which <laughs> <laughs> seems like a little bit of a hole, but still, um, I still think that uh, we can imply that um, Alex did know for much longer of, of her lifetime than her younger sister did. And yeah, I'm like making these connections now. Mm. I, I didn't originally think that. Um, mm. I just kind of thought that Alex went away to college first and had her discovering there um, and just left her and the parents in the dark um but you're right and that makes it so much worse yeah it makes it so much worse it, it it's interesting like because like because when you see like because i can relate like as far as like some of my like family stuff is like i've i've seen like when parents have like two very distinctly different like parenting styles with between the different kids mm-hmm. you know like I've seen that but I'm the one that's been on like it, w- it was the other way around but like because like I was the first kid but they were the hardest on me and then uh-huh. and then they got like real soft and then like as no. I saw so and then as I saw them get soft I got like you know a little jaded and was just like yeah come on y'all that's why I wasn't gonna come on it, y'all I, I'm <laughs> feeling for Alex because yeah exactly when uh, I, I and I told my sister all the time when when she was still in high school like the shit that you get away with I there's there's absolutely no way in hell so I <laughs> I understand the like jaggedness of Alex's character mm-hmm. it does it does make sense um speaking firsthand not that I'm a cannibal or anything I promise mm-hmm. that I'm not but um that yeah. sister dynamic is is factual and I will tell you that and and do you think maybe the 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 difference in how the parents treat Justine and the way that they treat Alex, do you think that might lead into part of why Alex doesn't help Justine more and like understanding what's going on? Like maybe I'm thinking, it, yeah. maybe it's out of resentment that she's like, you know what, I had to kind of figure this out on my own too, and you're already mm-hmm. the wonder kid and you're already the special one. Like, no, mm-hmm. fine. Like, no, I'm I could I could help you by having a simple conversation with you, but no, I'm going to let yeah. you uh, figure out these urges. I'm going to force this rabbit liver in your mouth. Like, cause like she's yeah. the one that instigates it. And then it's a theme throughout the movie. It's like, they'll kind of have a bonding moment and then Alex will betray her. 
like betray yeah. her trust and then they'll have a bonding moment make up again and then she betrays her trust right again mm-hmm. and, like, and that's, that's just like, straight up nothing but sister resentment yeah at that point <laughs> and even though they're like of course they're both adults but they had a whole lifetime not in college already mm-hmm. um and so that it it does make a lot of sense um and i do think that maybe uh, their parents different parenting styles had every actually definitely had every everything to do with with their behavior because you know you can tell that she obviously gives a shit they had that really nice and mm-hmm. this is the scene that broke me when they're on the roof and they like are peeing standing <laughs> up and it's like really cute and i it made my heart warm and then you know what 20 minutes later into the film they have this brutal fight yeah uh, a brutal physical fight and that that just it unfortunately it says sisterhood to me yeah sisterhood from uh, products of two different styles of parenting um that don't always mesh together the best but of course they're at the end of the fight they get themselves out of it together mm-hmm. um so it's also a kind of sense of obligation that I need to help this person because if I don't have this person, who else do I really have immediately? Exactly. And like, I mean, that's the, the heart of this movie. It really is the best aspect. Like the, the, it comes really comes through really well in the performances and like even that scene of them, like peeing on the roof and stuff like there's, there's multiple scenes where it's like, yeah, we are, these are adults in, in college now, but like, they do they they intentionally do these things to like kind of still show them as like very childlike siblings as well like mm-hmm. whether it's them playing video games together or peeing right. standing up on the roof like these are very like still like childlike things like just like kind of reinforcing this like sibling angle also funny story um, related to this roof uh, scene which is hilarious um, you, you know how you always have that one story that you tell all the time to like just fuck with your sibling you know yeah i got one it's just it's Uh very silly and so for one of my sisters i tell a story all the time where um i was maybe six or seven so she was like four or something and she she walks in while i'm going to the bathroom while i'm peeing and she walks in and like in total astonishment she goes wow I can't wait till I'm a big girl and can pee standing up and then just like <laughs> walked away so excited. And I was just like, Oh, you poor thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, like you, you didn't know, you didn't know how pure. So I tell that story all the time and she, she gets annoyed by it, but <laughs> yeah. So that's what that rooftop scene like made me think. Of. Yeah. You go back to, you know, you still have the same relationship as you did when you are six and four yeah that doesn't really go away even though Mm -hmm. there's the you know additional conflict of just being two different adults that's why this film hurts me in my soul because it makes sense and I don't like when I have to relate to things and get emotional in film except for this one I really do appreciate yeah like the the movie I mean I feel like what the entire like kind of story and like this whole thing of not uh it it really highlights like you know the how difficult it can be for family to communicate like Mm -hmm. you know whether that's the spot right there like that's the one of like Mm -hmm. you know whether it's the parents not communicating to the daughters the sisters not communicating to each other you know it's like 
when when Alex figures out that like the changes are starting with Justine, you know, like she realizes mm-hmm. stuff's going on, they could sit down and have a and have a conversation. Which it's funny because Alex even says, "Come on, we need to talk." Mm-hmm. Um, this is after this is um, when they're leaving the hospital after the um, Alex loses her finger, right? And she goes, "We need to talk." But what she does is she instead of talking takes Justine out to the middle of nowhere onto the side <laughs> of the road to just be like, now nah, I'll just show you. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how to tell you what's going on. And so. all the while, Justine is like, you said you wanted to talk. And then, like, yeah. What are we going to talk about? And she's like this. And, and then, then, yeah, Alex know, does no her. No words spoken. Which, which I, I, I love this detail of like that. This is how Alex does this. Like, I love the cold open at the beginning. Like, we see Alex causing a car accident, and, mm-hmm. or I always wonder though if that. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's that the the it's the the beginning of the movie is that um wreck that they go by when they're on the bus. I y- assume. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I always because I because I watch the beginning of this and. It looks like she has longer hair and made me think it was Justine oh. on the rewatch. The uh-huh. the first time I was like, okay, this is Alex. But like on this rewatch, I was like, she. it looks like she has longer hair. My, maybe Alex just had a hood on or something. I don't know. But Could anyways. Be. But yeah, I love that instead of having a conversation, she just shows her do this whole thing, which is just some psycho shit. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 I have a thing of in movies like people that are just like willing to just like toss themselves into like something to like cause like a car accident Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. like I like when people are in a car and they like will like sabotage a car to like cause an accident just because like they're not scared and like right Alex is like I will literally (laughs) jump in front of this car cause this whole accident and then it's like and then she can eat the brains and then they just assume it's an animal it's the perfect crime really a girl gotta eat Girl so eat. <laughs> she was like he's not gonna survive anyway so you might as well but back to something you said about uh the point you made about communication that's how they father at the end like they have like this weak ass closure <laughs> and he just like shows his chest well he first he was like it started with the first kiss. And of course you think that the father just had like a, a cleft palate, uh-huh. which is why he has a scar on the lip, but then you realize, but he doesn't actually say it. And then he just shows his chest and is like, you'll figure it out. And like, that's the conversation. And that, yeah, that's, that's yeah. He, he and goes then into now I'm thinking, damn, this shit is hereditary. Y'all just won't talk it out. Exactly. Like, I mean, that's basically like, because even when he's like talking to Justine before he opens his chest, he's being super vague. He's like, because mm-hmm. he's talking about the mom. He's like, you know, when me and your mom were together and she, she didn't have a boyfriend, but I could tell there was something different. And it's like, what, what, what are you getting at here? <laughs> Where are you going with this? And Dad? he was just being so vague until he, yeah, until he finally said like, until he's just like, okay, I, I don't know how to get this out yeah. of my mouth, so I'm just gonna show you my chest. Instead. Here you go. And this yeah. is exactly what Alex did. And this is that's her talking. Just I'm gonna just show you. Which I mean, but talk about closing a movie though. I mean, like so good. It's so good. like that's so good. Like as a mm-hmm. as a like that that like that really gets my filmmaker juices going. I'm just like, oh, yeah. that's so good. Of just like it says so much, and then just like 
cuts out without so you don't have a chance to even question anything you just see it and you go right. oh and like, it's not one of those where it like you know people will claim oh it, i need to know more i need to know what no. happens you don't even that's the story that's right it there. that's you that's it. i personally didn't have any questions the women the women closing. in this family are cannibals that's it that's 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 the end we don't, we, we, we don't get anything else we don't need anything else but um yeah i love i love love the that ending scene um mm-hmm. yeah this this movie is uh, uh, again like i i did i i did have a more emotional satisfaction in watching it this time around than i did the first mm-hmm. time um but definitely still just like um um cuz i've been wanting to rewatch this since watching to 10 and um and yeah i just i really like there's a even the like there's there's a there's like a a visceralness but there's also like a sleekness just in the way that the movies look in the way it's presented and then we kind of get like an exaggerated version of that in 210 and we'll get into that here in a few minutes but um to kind of wrap up my thoughts on this rewatch of raw is yeah, like the I, I love again like how her attention to uh, uh to the body in the way that they film things, whether it be these party scenes where it's just like the I I love how like party scenes in other movies are kind of like fantasized, and you like see a college party, and it just it looks like things are staged, like it looks mm-hmm. you know it looks <clears throat> it looks too cool and too neat and orderly you know versus in this one it's like the party scenes people are just like just like tons of bodies just like smacking against each other you can tell that this is like a true college party because like everyone looks sweaty as fuck yeah and like there's it looks like actually i can (laughs) smell it now because it smells like liquor when it it's like all over the floor and you like step into the party and and your sneakers like which i hate like so sticky I hate it. That's my least favorite part of parties is <laughs> sticky damn floors. That's why I don't go to the club. I swear. No. no. <laughs> but like, yeah, people just spilling alcohol on each other right. left and right. Like This was like frames you can smell. College party scent. Yeah. I know what that's like. So it's like it. So it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of gross, but it's filmed in a very sleek way still to where it still looks cool in in mm-hmm. certain in certain ways yeah um but cool, yeah but not so attractive yeah yeah which which i also wanted to i i had a note about that cool but not attractive is also how i describe cannibals i love that cannibals and movies have the signature look of them with just like blood on their mouth but it looks it looks different than when it's a monster with a, a different monster with blood on their mouth. Like, you know, cause like werewolves have like fangs and like, and, and mm-hmm. like fur and stuff and vampires have fangs. So it's like, when you see that and you see blood and it's just like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But it's like, humans don't have that. We just have like normal ass teeth. So like when you just like see somebody that's just like, Oh, that person who wants to eat flesh that like takes will. Cause like flesh yeah. is like, tough and chunky and mm-hmm. shit like and wanting to eat raw meat that takes like a will so it's like that's why cannibals are, like fascinate me as a as as a monster in my eyes but the the, <laughs> the, the, icon, the iconic look of a cannibal with blood smeared across their face it looks cool 
But I'm like, but not cool in a way that like, oh, I think you're like hot, but like it's like cool. Like, right. I'm glad that that's your style and that works for you. But okay, like I don't like, know. It's vampires cool. are very sexy, right? As mm-hmm. like as beings, vampires are just sexy because mm-hmm. they're sharp. And like, yes, they have sharp fangs, but I just feel like vampires are like, you know, mm-hmm. they're sharp. But, you know, if we're making this comparison to teeth, like we as humans are like more dull. We're not 3000 year old beings and we have regular people teeth, which is like a little bit, actually, no, not a little bit, a lot of bit grittier and mm-hmm. just kind of, mm-hmm. well, the opposite of sexy and also kind of that I wish the listeners could see my eyebrows because i'm like (laughs) scrunching them like that yeah like in and especially like when they're like when they like are kind of depicted in this movie too it's like when they eat human flesh and stuff they kind of go into this like daze like there's Mm -hmm. like they go into this mode where there's like nothing behind their eyes and they're like kind of like catatonic almost and that's like again where they feel just like so much less human, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like when you like see that, and you like, or when you see them like kind of acting like more feral, like um, right. the the scene where they show the video of Justine, and they were oh, like yeah. teasing mm-hmm. her with the corpse in the and I guess their right. their university has a morgue. I mean, I guess it makes sense. There was some really weird shit in that morgue also that looked like did not belong in a morgue and looked like belong in a taxidermy museum instead. Yeah. Because I, I saw like a goat with like eight legs, I think. Yeah, but, some, someone's up to some extracurriculars that we don't want to know about. See, back to our <laughs> other point, this college is shady. I don't know what's <laughs> going on, but something the professors are awful. The way that that professor was harassing Justine, um, talking about her, like her family history at the college, because, you know, she has all this, uh, like, I guess, easy access is what he was trying yeah. to allude to. He was sh- the mom was there also. There was a point he said that they were going to miss out on excellent doctors because she's too smart and they're dumb and they're going to drop out because they're whatever guy. Um, But then also these are the teachers that are like, okay with the students walking around and their smocks covered in like, you know, like blood, animal blood and stuff, which is, you know, points to the darkness of like this university understands like what hazing stuff they do and that they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. And like it to like to be honest with you, like hazing and like like I have a pretty tough stomach for a lot of things in horror. Like it can be the grossest, nastiest shit. Like I, nothing in this like grosses me out except for the hazing. Like something about hazing in movies, like like this, like this, like it it feels like culty, and it creeps oh, me hell out. Oh hell yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. so like, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I feel a very strong connection to uh, Greek life and cults. It and like, I don't know, kinda, mm. the, the idea of like, when you're hazing a person, you're like making them do these like inhumane things and you're like kind of like mm-hmm. breaking their like humanity down that something about that is fucking terrifying. There's, um, there, there's this movie with, um, one of the, with, one of the Jonas brothers, I think. It's what? called it's called Goat. <laughs> it's called Goat. And it's like kind of based on uh it's I think it's based on a true story or something. 
uh, about this like kid that like went through this like crazy hazing. It's not a horror movie, but it might as well be because it's uh-huh. fucking terrifying. So it's like none of the 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 flesh eating or blood or fucking poor Adrian's ate up thigh. Like none of that oh. really gets to me, but like hazing is something that like really gets under my skin. So like also that shit is real. It's just, yeah, like, it happens yeah. often, and like and not, said, e- not the, even at colleges and in you know groups and yeah, and uh, the teachers just like being okay with it. Like that's like an yeah. underrated, like really scary part like, of this I, movie. I do not see it. Just carry on. It is. I don't know. I have that when things are like. I need to find a better term for this, but I just call it real life scary. Like when you put real life scary into my horror movies, I get a little mm. ex- extra disturbed, um, especially when I could pick that shit out. Like um, I just rewatched The Invisible Man and all I'm thinking of is domestic violence and abusive relationships and the whole hazing thing is right there too because this is really real i know people have died from hazing rituals in fact at at some uh i i've jumped around a couple colleges but one of the colleges that i did attend was no greek life allowed because you know humans get crazy and i love my monsters but humans also get crazy but that's a little too close to home for me personally Mm -hmm. and it's it adds a new level of fear when it's real life scary mixed with a little bit of paranormal and or uh fantasy you know but when that's always the root it hits a little yeah different. yeah when when you can effectively mix like you said the the real life scary with the with the fun horror scary um you mm-hmm. you get something really special and then when you add in just like these like family family values that this movie adds on top of it like my head spinning like the 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 scene you know towards the end where Alex and Justine are fighting, and they're literally fighting and biting each other's cheek and arms and hands, and having it's like when you're having that like fight like what like you know when you fight with your siblings that you only fight the way that you guys do you know so like mm-hmm. to have this extreme version of this where they're literally eating each other while they're fighting. <laughs> And then they like have this moment where they literally have each other's arms in each other's mouths and are just like eye locked. And it's also the moment of like, damn, but you're literally the only other person that understands me. Like, right. And my fucking right. sister is like, ooh, ooh. And you can see it on everyone else's face because yeah. they had that big audience, right? Mm-hmm. And so at first it was one woman attacking another woman. And then it just kind of turned into this weird display of what is going on right now only they only they them two can understand really mm-hmm. without having to say anything of course yeah because who else could relate to that <laughs> yeah this uh this this movie's a goodie it, it really is um my last note that i want to leave out on for me for me um is um best line of the movie is justine and um alex when they are playing video games and again they're being they're doing a kid-like activity but this is them actually having a conversation about their cannibalism shit and like alex saying like oh do what i do to like kind of curb your cravings and you'll feel better and justine's like no i don't want to do that and then alex is like did you have to 
but did you have to eat me though? And then uh, um, Justine said, you taste like curry. Like curry. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's great. That's, that's a plus Yo, writing. A plus writing right there. I eat so right much there. curry. I probably taste like curry also. <laughs> I, I probably taste like curry in beer and craft beer. If anyone was curious <laughs> to eat my flesh, but let's see, closing thoughts, something that I notice upon my uh, rewatch or my most recent watch um, was the, okay, so my poor boy, Adrian had to go, right? But oh, yeah. I, it, it sat, I mean, of course, it's never going to sit well for me because he deserves justice, this character. He was just trying to help yeah but, um Shut- he's a he's a gay man and he established that very very early in their relationship mm-hmm. and in fact i think it was moving day yes it was yeah. moving day mm-hmm. she was like i requested a girl he was like you get a fag it's like the same thing or they think it's the same thing something like that they established that really really early on in the relationship and now she's uh, justine is demanding sex from him mm-hmm. and uh, is not allowing herself to curb her cravings for him whether it be you know erotic or uh, hunger yeah um but you know at, at a certain point the lines are kind of blurred here um but I noticed that my most recent watch that I I really don't like how this feels a little I mm-hmm. mean a little little uh assaulty and um at that point I kind of shifted my view of Justine to more of a monster like a uh, a human I guess making conscious choices because Mm -hmm. he was insinuating sex with him while knowing that he is a gay man which should really mean no it's not going to happen yeah Um, definitely definitely do have to shout out Adrian I did want to talk about him uh, more but like he I, I do appreciate the like role reversal in the writing of like Adrian's character that you know that Julia like obviously is not like the perfect guy or anything but he's a good guy he tries to help Justine multiple times throughout the film mm-hmm. and then like and then yeah and then he is the one in turn that gets assaulted like you know in a typical movie it would be like he's the character that does get close to her, but then mm-hmm. uses her or something or betray, or he's one that betrays her at some point. And mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. Like, you know, he ends up being a victim of not only assault, but then Alex killing yes. him. Um, First it was assault and then it was murder. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Justice for Adrian. Um, really, justice for Adrian. really great character, really great performance. And man, that boy is a hottie though too. Fine mm-hmm. as hell. Why did he have to die so horribly? Yeah, like that soccer scene. Okay, that that's Yo. that's the one thirst. That's the one true thirst scene we get in this movie. Is oh that yeah, soccer scene. And, and she knew it. She <laughs> knew it too. Knew exactly what she was doing. Julie had to give us a little something, something. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> oh man, yeah, great movie. And um, um, yeah, we may have threw pretty good without making too many to 10 comparisons, but I, um, I'm intrigued in your thoughts of like, you know, you kind of watch this and I'm going to talk about to 10 and a couple episodes in the best of the year episode coming up. So, uh, I won't get too deep into it, but the, it, it seems that, you know, family is kind of an important theme that runs between these two films. And it's mm-hmm. like here, 
it's like kind of like dealing with like you know your biological family um they talk about genetics a lot throughout the movie as well and like you know obviously that this is a hereditary thing that the sisters deal with and it's like you know like kind of reinforcing on that you know blood is blood family is family versus mm-hmm. into 10 it's kind of like doing the opposite where she's kind of exploring this angle of like if even if you're not family you can still be family or you can still love right. someone as family um mm-hmm. you know through circumstances um so i i felt like the that was a pretty interesting um uh parallel that she did between these two films and and i think that uh, again like for me, I resonate a little more with to 10 because it feels a little bit more accessible to me as, um, because she kind of explores, you know, um, gender identity a little bit more in that film. Um, so the, but the, the parallels of the family, uh, dynamic, I find very interesting between these two films. Yeah. I, I think that a director has a very strong idea of what a family actually is and yeah, family is, you know, you're, you should always have your, your blood with you. Um, but that doesn't mean that everyone that you share a name with or that you share DNA with is family. Um, and in the same sense, like chosen family is just as important, just as important as blood family in a lot of cases. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess it dep- it does depend on the situation, but family is more of a it's not one thing or the other it's kind of a homeness but honestly I'm not even gonna lie to you man I was not rocking with this one as much Mm -hmm. as I did with raw Mm -hmm. um but I was very excited to watch it because I heard great things about it I did watch it in preparation for our podcast episode today and um I will say I like I like the whole style that that has been uh that has been uh copied from raw to titan titan mm. titan Ty, titan titan i'm trying to be a little french i don't know how she would pronounce it but um yeah but yeah i i'm feeling it but i i think raw was like so much more uh i guess story driven and Titan was more of like that feeling that stays with you or mm-hmm. not stays with you, but uh, the feeling is inserted at a certain yeah. point in the movie. And then it like grows stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, I think I'm more partial to the, the narrative way of expressing that, but mm-hmm. the feeling is the same. It's yeah. totally the same. And you get the, like, you know, I feel responsible for this person just like you did in raw, but I also might not agree with this person and we're going to, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a total understatement, but bump heads. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, but I think the the, the themes are, are all very similar, but it was like a totally different way to explain that feeling mm. or actually not explain it at all, just give it to you. Um, but it was a little abstract for me, but mm. I, I will watch again in mm. a couple months and maybe I'll get a different view on my my second watch. But it was... I knew it was going to be weird, but it was weird. <laughs> it's it's something. And like, and, and I've noticed this trend amongst, I mean, I guess I would call all these people that I'm going to list auteur directors in, in their own rights. But in the, this new wave of directors, the, the new guard, as I call them, um, this is like Jordan Peele, 
Ari Aster, Robert Eggers, and the way that they do the the differences in their first and second films is interesting. Because for me, like when the the comparison that I see between Raw and T10, and then I do with all those other directors is like. The first one is is the tighter one. It's tighter, um, narr- more narratively uh, s- straightforward. Um, I mean, like Rob. I mean, even though it's very abrupt at the end, that that one scene literally wraps up the entire movie with a bow, Hell like yeah. pretty perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like it's this movie. Like Raw is tied up very neat, and it's like boom, bam, boom. This is the story, and that's like, and then these directors in their second film is where they kind of go get a little bit more ambitious. Um, you know, the the second films are a little bit more bombastic compared to their first ones in, in different ways, um, whether it be like kind of, you know, between Us and Get Out or um, The Witch and The Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. And T10, it's like Julia literally did the opposite. She was just like, I'm going to present you with all these pieces of information and you can do with it what you want. You can fit it together however you please and mm-hmm. whatever it makes you feel. Like, that's all I really care for. And like, like you said, like the, the feeling is still the same between the two mm-hmm. films, which I would totally agree. And uh, I was, I'm feeling kind of like the opposite for, uh, for Robert Eggers. Cause I feel like actually, no, both of those films are really weird, but the witch left me in the dark a lot. I, mm. I, I had to, that's one of those where I'm, I'm usually pretty like quick with movies, mm-hmm. you know, the, the credits will, will roll and then I'll maybe take five to 10 minutes and think about it. And I think I can come to a, a good conclusion, but the witch kind of had me stuck. Um, mm. So I feel like, I don't know, it could be switched, way, but still it, the, the same themes of, I'm going to give you this feeling um, and you can, you can take it from there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, in, um, in CNT 10 for me, like it had a little more visual flair to it, um, that I kind of appreciate a little more. Not that, totally. not that raw doesn't still have its stylish moments, but, uh, not as much as I'd like. Like one of my few complaints about raw is it has this phenomenal score, but doesn't use it that much. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, and it, it is very smart in, in the ways that they do, because like every time that they use it, it's at like some sort of story or dynamic shift or shift for the character, like right. Justine kind of getting to a, in a different state, like mm-hmm. a, in a different phase of her transformation, if you will. Right. It's like the final form. But they really only use the score, like very selectively. Um, and that's like, I wish that, um some of these style like because because i'm a sucker for style like because like uh i'm i'm a i'm a style is substance kind of person um i think so i would, like, i'm the same so like I, I i i like that t10 is a little bit more uh visually interesting um mm-hmm. to me and just like in in general the way that it's edited the way that it uses music and the score and the sound design a lot more like um, a lot more emphasis on those aspects in T10 for me um, to where I'm okay with the um, story not being as, um, you know, narratively cohesive for me. Cause right. like T10, like at first I like came out and I was like, I mean, that was pretty good. 
And then like, but then I like found myself thinking about T10 for like a week mm. straight, like just literally, it was just like inching away in my brain and I'd just be like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I guess I should give it a little more time to marinate in my brain, but I will agree T10 was definitely the more stylish of the two. Um, yeah, in general, it just straight up was, but I think that's a very fair trade for mm-hmm. narrative yeah. driven but I, story. But I definitely, but that, yeah, but I, I definitely don't think you are in the minority in that raw is a little more your jam. I think that's, I think that's kind of the consensus for most people um, between these two. Oh, films, really? At, at least uh. from what I've seen uh, just from the reviews and the things that I've seen, it's kind of people are like, like it would agree that raw might be like the better quote unquote film, like mm-hmm. in general, maybe in a general sense, Ugh. but then, yeah, I'm a, I don't I'm, like that. I don't know. I think they're so different. They are. So I mean, I, I think you could just prefer one style of film mm-hmm. over the other. Yeah. And, I don't, I can't I think, say one of these is better, you know? And I think that's what, you know, one of the uh, kind of, cons in that the way that we compare filmmakers films against each other you know Mm -hmm. like that's kind of a a thing that people have done a lot more recently in film discourse than they used to like um because i don't know i don't know if maybe it's just because in today's movie industry like directors kind of want to be a little bit more known for their voice and like what they're doing um Mm -hmm. in addition to like the movies that they're making you know or or what but um but yeah but like even though it is yeah two films from the same director the same person and you would think that makes it very easy to compare but it Mm -hmm. it, it's actually the opposite you know yeah i think it's pretty tough i just like i'm not a fan of gatekeeping man just let people like what they like these are so different I, I think I just prefer more narrative driven story. And also, like I mentioned earlier, I have a very close connection to the two main characters, dynamic and mm-hmm. raw, which automatically puts it higher than the other, but we'll see. I still have to let this marinate for a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm not feeling too hot after my first watch right now, but mm-hmm. maybe give it another 48 hours or so. Yeah. But yeah. I appreciate it. Let it. Yeah. Let it stew for a minute. It, and, and, Last note to kind of close out the show. I don't know if you remember. I remember because you you brought gatekeeping. I remember when Raw came out, and I still kind of see it sometimes, that this is one of those movies that some people will try to convince themselves is not a horror movie. And I don't get that at all. (laughs) This is a horror movie through and through. But I've seen the the cold takes. I've seen the cold takes of people being like, I mean, Raw is like barely a horror movie or like one of those really things. Like, I mean, it's not really a horror movie, but I'm like, I hate that so much, but it is cannibals is instant horror. Hello. Like like just and water is wet. Like, do you see how much blood there is? And that please talk to my palm. There's no way. Like I I saw lots (laughs) of, I saw lots of reviews that were like, you know, this is, this is more than your typical gore fest. And it's like, one, this ain't no gore fest. You need yeah, to watch Yeah, I somewhat. wouldn't call it a fest. I mean, there, it's a, a healthy serving, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't call it a fest. Yeah. I know. I Well, I feel like it's just because cannibalism is 
such a very like taboo controversial thing and I feel like people do feel very strongly like I mean as they should feel strongly mm-hmm. against cannibalism, cannibalism I'm, as well. I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of cannibalism but <laughs> but like I don't know I guess it's just like me at my horror threshold in general like it yeah. doesn't um off put me or it doesn't like like tear me apart or, like gross me out to the point yeah. where I, like like where I see this movie coming up on like most disturbing films of all times like I wouldn't say uh, all that. I don't think so but I, I don't know. you know or all due respect sicko. I don't think that you and I are excellent candidates <laughs> to uh <laughs> to depict on what is um not appropriate but um digestible or not yeah it, true. I think we are uh True. A little bit on the edge of the uh, average movie viewer. Yes, every everybody's horror appetite is different, um, and take it in different ways. But man, yeah, really great movie. Um, I I do enjoy Raw quite a bit, and I enjoyed it a lot more on this rewatch. So I'm very glad that we could talk about this movie and like the the familial values that yeah just feel very appropriate for this month. So thank you for choosing this movie and coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Yeah. And uh, what are you working on currently and where can the people find you? Um, currently, well, in the spirit of the holidays, if there's anybody listening on the East Coast, we're going to be uh, raising money for Black Girls Code and collecting um, clothing donations for women's shelters all this month. Me and my collective land party here in New York City, um, as well as hosting some all girls uh gaming tournaments um coming up throughout the month um and besides that i am gonna be trying to stay warm yeah me too i'm trying to stay warm in my 70 degree christmas get out of here yeah i am a little spoiled in that aspect um, but that is an amazing cause. So everybody, make sure you uh, go follow Zero on the social medias to uh, keep up to date on that. Um, we'll have links to socials in the show notes. Um, so what is coming up next week? Well, you guys are getting a Christmas episode. Um, and because if there was anything that was going to make me talk about Christmas, it is a musical. We are talking Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, I love me some good old horror musical, so I am excited to get into that one with Molly Henry. So make sure you guys are um, tuned in and subscribed so you don't miss that. And um, of course, if you guys are listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever other platform you listen on, go on there, rate us five stars, write a nice little review. I promise I've been a nice boy this year and I deserve it. But no, <laughs> it, uh, it it just helps out the show so that way more listeners can find it. But um, yeah, I think that's going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at Bloody Blunts Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. And until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>